everybody. Welcome to the export. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tay, aka somebody who I gotta ask. It's All Star Weekend. I know neither of us said that we were all that interested in it, but if you could see any celebrity participate in the All Star Game, who would it be and why? If I could see any celebrity, I am going to say, I'm going to say Cat Williams just to be, because I think it'll be hilarious. That would be funny because I really don't think he would take it all that seriously. Or or on the opposite <laughs> side, he would take it too seriously yeah. and like be losing his mind if they were losing. Um, I'm, I'm going to switch it because okay. I just thought, I'm going to say Ocho. Because he'd be talking about he can hoop, and I want to see if he can hoop for real. Ocho thinks he can do everything. And so it wouldn't, I would not shock me, like, with how confident he would be in his hooping skills. I would probably say, I'm going to say Peyton Manning, just because, and Eli would have to be on the opposite side because I know neither of them are all that athletic. And so I know it would just be comedy trying to see them one-up each other, but not exactly having the, like, athletic ability to do so that would be it for me but uh we got a cool show for you guys today obviously we are going to recap super bowl 58 as well as talk about some of the fallout for both teams from that uh we're also going to talk about some other uh moves around the league such as the bears getting rid of a former pro bowl duo and the eagles allowing edge rusher uh hassan reddick to seek a trade and also with the nba we are going to talk some of the biggest signings post the trade deadline which moves were the right ones and which ones weren't and kind of close things out discussing which orlando magic great should be the next to get their jersey retired but before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and kick this bad boy off as we do almost every episode with our college football player spotlight. So the past couple weeks, we've been talking about the Senior Bowl and East-West Shrine game, which are very important. Next couple of weeks, the combine is going to be taking place. So definitely we'll be getting a lot of conversations in on that but I think for right now it'd be cool to kind of go back and step in the time machine and talk about some former college football greats why because yesterday EA Sports finally put out an official trailer for NCAA football 25 and I'm sure Ethan you are just as excited as I am and so obviously everybody's talking about who should be on the cover and so if you had to pick a player between 20 since what 2013 no let's say 2014 to this past season to be the cover athlete who would you pick or it could be a coach if it's being honest it has to be Nick Saban um this year he's retired during that run he had the run it's like the most dominant college coach in football so with his retirement, I would go Nick Saban. Unless they do like Madden and 2K where they have a legend edition and a standard edition. Mm-hmm. If it's a legend edition, I would say Nick Saban. If it's a standard edition, I would say I don't think it I don't me personally, I don't think it should be one player. I think it should be like a compilation of like some greats. Yeah, like Cam Newton, Joe Burrow, like some grace from all of those teams from all of those eras mm-hmm. that's what if i were to like come up with a, co- uh, a cover design i feel that i saw nick saban and honestly i think nick saban loki is the easiest choice and it's the one that isn't going to get you as much backlash because if you pick one specific player people are going to be pissed regardless why didn't you pick them why didn't you pick them and it's it's just going to be a whole bunch of crap um I'm going to say, I'm going to go one player route, though, and I'm going to go probably the most fun player that college football has had over the past, what, almost decade since the last game. And I'm going to say Lamar Jackson. I think that a lot of people, whenever they do MUT or whatever throwback modes they can do, what other quarterback, and this is me, not even everybody in their mama know how much of an LSU fan I am. What more other quarterback in college football over the past few years has been more fun to watch than Lamar Jackson? 
Like, low-key, I feel like he could have, like, the same effect that, like, Michael Vick had on those old Madden games. I could see Lamar Jackson kind of having that same effect on these college football games, if he's in it, obviously. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I could see Lamar. It's, it's also hard because it's like, I know that the co- if it's going to be a play, I know that the cover is going to be a, probably going to be a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, I would either say I would say Cam, or maybe Joe. I Cam came out well was in the lead by uh before they stopped making the games. That's true. Okay. Uh, I would say I might say Joe. Um, or I would say. If I'm thinking of another player, I would say like a running back. So maybe was playoff Lenny. Playoff Lenny was a bad dude. Yeah, I might. I would go playoff Lenny. I can't wait to play with playoff Lenny. Like Loki, there's so many different options, and so like I said, I think Nick Saban is going to be like the easy kind of cop out answer. But honestly, it's so much talent that's come out. I just hope. If they do go with a player, I hope they pick a player who was, like, awesome in college and not just somebody who's great in the NFL to, like, for like for example, like, don't push Josh Allen on the cover of this game. He didn't do anything at Wyoming. Patrick Mahomes is awesome, but at Texas Tech, he was never talked about as, like, the best player in the country, never was up for any Heismans. Like, let's just focus on great college players. I agree. Also, I beg, please, please, for love of God, don't just make this a college version of Madden, because I really need please, to. Please don't do that. Please don't, because I I have barely touched this year's uh, Madden, which is probably the least I've played a Madden in a long time. And I've spent so much time playing my 360 and, like, old NCAA football games, so I'm going to really, really need them to, like, step up. But uh, let's go ahead and move on. Let's actually talk about Mr. Mahomes and the NFL Cause you know, this past Sunday the Super Bowl took place. The 2023-2024 season is officially over, and it was capped off with a 25-22 overtime victory by the Kansas City Chiefs over the San Francisco 49ers. We're not gonna do the whole shebang of a recap. Let's just leave it to one simple question: What was your biggest takeaway from the Chiefs Super Bowl win? My biggest takeaway is that D-line had a hell of a performance. Um, obviously, everybody talks about the play where Chris Jones came unblocked in the fake Brock Purdy on that last pass to Juwan Jennings. But, like, for a stretch before they get back into it, like, the, their D-line started to slow down their run game. And that's when you can tell that the 49ers kind of were like losing steam once they slowed it down. They picked it back up. They should have never abandoned it. But I think they abandoned it too soon because the 49ers uh deep I mean the Chiefs D line was starting to like kinda get some key stops in the run game. And I mean the Chiefs defensive line played really well, but so did the 49ers defensive line. Like that pass rush, like Chase Young was having his way. He may not have got home every time, but it felt like almost, especially in the first half, almost every play he or Nick Bosa was getting in that backfield. Um, for me, probably my biggest takeaway was just the fact that this, I think no one went into this game thinking it was going to be like a defensive night. You know, I think everybody kind of figured either the 49ers offense was going to get clicking and then boom, there we go, or Patrick Mahomes was going to light it up. And while it was true to kind of a certain extent with Patrick Mahomes, especially down the stretch, but I think that both defenses show, like, the Chiefs, I feel, obviously Patrick Mahomes is going to get a lot of praise. He's a quarterback, whatever. But I really feel like the Chiefs' defense played such a big role in this win, kind of similar to, like, a couple weeks ago in the AFC Championship game. Like, their defense is done so much of the grunt work in these games so when the offense is kind of having those deficiencies or they're struggling or they're not doing what they really need to do in the red zone the defense is doing its job against almost all comers and making sure hey 
our offense may not be able to carry the load right now, but it's all good because we're going to do what we're supposed to do. And so it's just a testament to just how good this defense has been all year and by far the best defense Patrick Mahomes has had since coming into the NFL six years ago, which is crazy to think about. Um, so, all right, let's go ahead and talk about the Chiefs for a bit. More specifically, Patrick Mahomes. Three championships in the last four years. In half of his NFL seasons, he's won a ring. People were already kind of starting to view him, say he was close to being in that gold or at least top 10 conversation. Now looking at him, three Super Bowls in, two straight. Do you think that Patrick Mahomes has created a legitimate case for him to be in the GOAT conversation this early in his career? Yes. I mean, it was, um, I was listening to a podcast. It's a bunch of former NFL players that are like from Memphis and around Memphis, and they were talking about it. And they said that he basically, like, because they brought up the Brock Purdy game changer, game manager narrative. Mm-hmm. And they was, <clears throat> and the premise of the conversation was simply like, um, right now, when you look at it, it's only two individuals that are in the class of their own in the history of the NFL. And it's Mahomes and it's Brady. Because those are the two guys that like something just clicks and they take over games. And I mean it happened in the Super Bowl. That last that last drive, it was like he just clicked. Their their offense wasn't looking so like it wasn't looking up to the standard that it had in the past. And then it was like, hey, when you need to make a play, they do with fifteen made plays. <clears throat> so I, I think as much as it pains me to say it because I'm 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 not a Patrick Mahomes fan. I'm also not a Brady fan. I do think he has a legitimate case to be in that conversation. And being honest, if he wins another Super Bowl next year, I might say he deserved like the only thing today. The only thing that Brady will have over him is that he beat him. Yeah, which I mean. I think that argument is kind of skewed a little bit because, I mean, everybody beats everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's not like Patrick – I mean, it's not like Tom Brady went undefeated in his career. And so it's like, oh, so we saying that Eli Manning's better than Tom Brady because he beat him twice in the Super Bowl? No. Nobody would think that. But I get what you're saying. I think that absolutely what with what Patrick Mahomes has been able to achieve in such a short amount of time, it's hard not to put it, him in there. And it's not like, you know, the team around him is just so amazing and carrying him to everything. He's done a lot of the work, and he's been such a catalyst for this change and the success that they've had. And so it, I think it does really support that case of, you know what, he does have a legit opportunity and does have a say in like, hey, I'm one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it. Like if he was to retire right now, no one would doubt he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Be no argument. And so I think that with him being able to do so much in a short amount of time, I'm excited to see what he does next. Selfishly, I'm hoping it's not another Super Bowl because I want my team to get a Super Bowl. But, I mean, just with everything that he's accomplished and just what he's been able to do, and one could argue since that first Super Bowl, the offense around him has progressively gotten worse, and he's still able to go out there. He's still able to go against some of the best teams in the league and come out victorious regardless of – Say what you want, but at the end of the day, all that matters and all that people remember are who won the game. And who's been winning games more than anybody else in the past several years? Patrick Mahomes. And so I do think he had, does have a legitimate case. What I say right now, he's like my two or three greatest quarterback of all time? No. But he's definitely, at worst in my eyes, like top eight to ten. What about you? If you had to rank Patrick Mahomes right now, or at least of the quarterbacks that you've seen, where would you put him? I would say maybe from six to ten. Um, because I just think that, like, as much as I don't like Patrick Mahomes, it's like basically from the moment he's become a starter to now, He's just been there, dude. Yeah. Like, his first 
was just starting. He won MVP. I think he threw 50 touchdowns that year. Yeah, he threw 50 touchdowns. And, like, yeah, so, like, I got it. I would at least give him top six to ten. Like, I would. And he, if he can, even if he doesn't win the Super Bowl, if he has another great season next season, he could potentially crack five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel that. I'm in the same boat, especially because it seems like, you know, he's not slowing down anytime soon. He's not about to rest on his laurels and be like, ah, well, I won. I'm going to go retire now. No, like, that's that's not going to happen. Um, and so moving on, though, like following the Super Bowl, uh, he talked about, you know, one with uh, Pat McAfee about his future. He said, I'm, wor- I'm going to work on getting this 3 P. And, I mean, as of right now, it does seem like the pieces are going to still be there. He's obviously coming back. Uh, no word on Andy Reid retiring. I don't think he's going to. And then you got Travis Kelsey who's saying he wants to come back. He's not finished yet. Who do you think right now is the biggest threat to the Chiefs' hopes of three-peating? Chris Jones. Being honest, like, we, like this past season – we talked about their defense and their defense being the biggest catalyst for even their Super Bowl run and winning their Super Bowl. And a big part of that was Chris Jones's play. And like, if he, if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't stay, I think that's the biggest thing that can hinder them because like, we like, unless the Chiefs make, moves to really drastically improve his defense, like, I mean, not defense, offense. If their offense is still kind of the same and they lose, like, key pieces on defense and they can't get stops, I don't think they win another Super Bowl, at least not next year. And, I mean, Chris Jones is obviously, like, the highlight of, like, this potential free agent class, but they got quite a few guys who could be on their way out. Uh, Chris yeah, Jones, the, yeah, Legereus Need is another guy, Willie Gay, uh, their best linebacker. I mean, they got a few important guys on this defense who could potentially be walking and on their way out. And so I think I think I am in agreement with you because it'd be easy to throw out a team, but let's be honest, if I throw out a team, they probably already beat them. Um, but, yeah, I think it's more so up to the front office. We have to keep those key guys there because you already re-signed Steve Spagnola. You're keeping your D.C. for at least another couple seasons. And so now it's just a matter of, all right, cool, let's keep our guys here. But, I mean, that's much easier said than done. Because, for example, a guy like LeJarrius Sneed, I'm sure he wants to stay in Kansas City. I don't doubt it. But if you're Kansas City, you really got to make a business decision of, do I want to pay LeJarrius Sneed or do I want to pay Chris Jones? Because both are going to command a whole bunch of money. And it wouldn't surprise me if LeJarrius Sneed is like, you know what, I got, what, three rings? I don't got to stay. I can go somewhere and break the bank, become potentially the highest paid corner in the league. And if I never win another ring, eh, that sucks, but at least I know I got some. And I could see Chris Jones saying the same thing. And so I think it's really up to Brett Veach and the rest of that front office to make sure that they're able to keep their stars intact. Because like you said, I think right now they're the biggest obstacle in their own way. Because like you said, if this offense isn't able to improve, I'll say this, the Chiefs are great. Y'all probably going to be mad at me, whatever. I feel like if the defense this year was not as good as it was, I don't think they make the Super Bowl this year. I 100% agree with you. And so, I and if they, so they test their luck next season and go into the offseason, I mean, go into that year with the same players or at least same skill position players and just hope that Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice, you know, like keep balling and they don't get them any help and this defense lost, loses key pieces. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be the same Chiefs team that we were able to see down the stretch. So, yeah, I would agree with you. I think they are kind of their biggest uh, – they're in their biggest way. But, all right, let's go ahead and turn things over to the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so, a few things on them. So, following the game, fullback Kyle Juszczyk mentioned that – and others, too, mentioned that they didn't exactly know the overtime rules. So, pause movie, rewind. Let me let y'all know what the rules are for those of you who did not know, even though y'all probably should by now. But now, since that infamous divisional round game between the Chiefs and uh, Buffalo Bills, the new overtime rules are each team gets one possession. And so regard, it's not like in the past where if you score a touchdown on your first drive, that's it, that's curtains, you go home happy. Um, 
Because let's say in the case of the Super Bowl, first drive, 49ers got a field goal, Chiefs got a touchdown, that's it, ball game, nothing else to say. And so there's been a lot of discourse around the 49ers because quite a few players are saying that they didn't know the rules um, because they elected to receive the ball first in overtime. And even referees, like, I don't know if you watched the mic'd up video, but the refs were kind of shocked that Fred Warner said he wanted to receive. Patrick Mahomes, like, they zoomed in on his face. He was a little confused. Um, and so Kyle Shanahan, when asked about it, he kind of walked, he and the team kind of walked back those comments and said, uh, we wanted the ball third. If both teams matched and scored, we wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win, which I mean, all right, whatever. But do you believe that the 49ers really didn't know the overtime rules before that game? I do. I mean, the fact that actual players said it, especially coming off like, like they said this right after they lost the game. It'd be different if it was like a couple of days, you know, of end of the season team press conference back in San Fran. But they said it like right after the game. Right. We, leads me to really do believe that they didn't know the rules. And, I mean, <clears throat> like you said, like, everybody was shocked. Like, I was shocked when I watched the game. I was like, why did they take the ball first? Because if, if you let Mahomes get the ball last, like I told I was at this point, I left the Super Bowl party. I was back home, and I was watching it with Aiden. And one of when the 49ers took the ball, I said, they just lost Cause I was like, they're gonna let Patrick Mahomes get the ball on the last drive of the game, and if they don't score a touchdown, they lost this game. And not only that, but like, even if they did want to get the ball third, let's just say for the sake of conversation, the Chiefs like didn't score that touchdown. Y'all still really didn't have no time left because they scored that last touchdown like with the waning clock. I think it was like less than ten seconds by the time that Patrick Mahomes snapped that ball. And so the Chiefs, regardless, they wouldn't – I mean, the 49ers really wouldn't have had a chance. Maybe you had the chance to go up again, but it's still like, come on. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like like I said, Kyle Juszczyk said it. Eric Armstead said it right after the game. I am inclined to believe that. And then alternatively, you hear the Chiefs, like, because they were asked by it too. And then, like, I think it was Justin Reed who was like, we talked about it all year. And, like, I think Drew Tranquil was saying, like, leading up to that game, like there were meetings about the overtime rules and stuff. And so that just, in my eyes, that also just shows another reason why the Chiefs are perpetually like Super Bowl contenders and the best team in the league because their coaching staff prepares them for all scenarios. Like, I don't understand how, as a team, you go into this Super Bowl or just any game in general, and especially in the playoffs, and not understand the playoff rules. Especially, again, it's a freaking Super Bowl. But that's neither here nor there. So more uh, things have been taking place uh, in San Francisco with the 49ers this week following their loss, uh, such as the decision to fire defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes um, during the end of the season press conference. Kyle Shanahan discussed the decision with reporters and said, just where we're going, where we're at as a team, looking through it, this is the decision that was best for our organization. This was something that I have to do and ended up not being the right fit. Do you think the 49ers made the right move firing Steve Wilkes, or is he being viewed as a scapegoat? I think he's being viewed as a scapegoat. Um, <clears throat> because when you look at their Super Bowl, their defense did their job yeah. for basically the whole game. It was the best they looked they, this whole playoff. Yeah, like they did their job. And even when you – because I was talking to my father-in-law yesterday about the game after the firing – and he even said, like, hey, when you look at the stats, his defense statistically was better than the defense that D'Amico Ryan's had. Yeah. So so it's like, if you look at both of those two things, like, statistically they were better. They they played their best ball in the biggest game of the, career, of the season. And they just are having to lose to the best quarterback and the best player in the league. Like, he definitely was viewed as a scapegoat. For sure. And, I mean, obviously we don't really know what was going on behind the scenes. But it does – I'll say it like this. If their defense would have played the way it did against the Lions or the Packers in the Super Bowl, yeah, sure, 100%. You didn't have the defense ready or the defense wasn't handling this business in the biggest game of the year. No judgment out of me. I understand. But this one just feels like 
what do you mean? Like you said, like the defense has been playing really well most of the season. And I understand Dre Greenlaw getting hurt was a big blow. But, I mean, even still, the Chiefs really didn't get things going until after that fumble that put them in the red zone and then, like, late in the fourth and overtime. Like, it wasn't like the Chiefs were just running over them all game. And, I mean, it sucks for Steve Wilkes because I think he did a really, really good job. And, Loki, I feel like this is kind of the second year in a row he's kind of been screwed, like, with the Panthers and him being the interim head coach until he wasn't and didn't even get, like, another job to come into the 49ers and then being fired for something that was not his fault. I do think that he's been dealt a bad hand quite a bit because, like I said, and like you mentioned as well, like, the defense generally had been playing pretty well. And so him getting bounced, it definitely did feel like a scapegoat. But, I mean, what are you going to do? You're not going to fire Kyle Shanahan. You know, you're not going to publicly denounce Brock Purdy, even though Brock Purdy had a fine game. Or, like, you're not – if you have to throw somebody under the bus, Steve Wilkes feels like the only one that you can kind of do that with, which sucks. And I'm not saying it makes it right, but if you had to go with the scapegoat, he's like the easiest target. Yeah. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on. One more thing uh, before we move on to some other news. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, I guess this is a trend in the last couple years where, like, players – aren't going to be the ones that, like, express their unhappiness, unless you're, you know, George Pickens. Family members will do it. And Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver for the 49ers, is the latest example of that. Now, to be fair, he did post on social media, uh, don't forget what got you here following the Super Bowl, which is totally fair. But then his girlfriend and brother took it to a whole nother level. Um, On his brother's Instagram, he said, why does your all-pro receiver have three catches in the Super Bowl? This is the exact reason why we're leaving San Francisco. Thank you, 49ers, for drafting my brother. Uh, We are forever grateful. And then Ayuk's girlfriend posted on TikTok, this might be the last time we sell foot in Levi Stadium because we might not be here next season. Now, Brandon Ayuk is entering the final year of his rookie contract, and he's um, obviously the team picked up the fifth-year option for him. And, I mean, when asked by reporters at during exit interviews, Brandon Ayuk was pretty noncommittal about his future with the team. And so could you see a world where the 49ers decided to trade Brandon Ayuk? Uh, I can see simply because if he really doesn't want to be there, you don't want to just let him walk out the door and not get anything in return. So I can see that. And it's also one of those things to where it's like Kyle Shanahan is such a good offensive-minded head coach. He can find a guy. I'm not going to say this as good as Brandon Ayuk, but he can find a guy and get a decent level of production out of another wide receiver. Yeah, I think that personally I wouldn't let him walk because I still feel like he's the best wide receiver on the team. But also looking at the construction of that roster, I mean, what? You all got to worry about George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and then you're like, oh, yeah, Brandon Ayuk is there too. And this is no slight to Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk is great. But it's like he's not he's not the face of your offense. You've proven you can win games without him touching the ball substantially. And like you said, like, I don't want to let somebody go for free. And so if I can go ahead and get something out of trading him and avoid giving him a big payday that he deserves and let somebody else do it, I don't see why not. Um, but like I said, I it's hard to let talent go if you don't have to. And so in that retrospect, if I'm the 49ers, I would try my best to make something work. But it really wouldn't shock me if he did end up um, end up rocking a different jersey this upcoming season. Because, I mean, if they actually do make him available, I'm sure it's going to be plenty of teams who will gladly snatch him right on up. But, all right, that concludes game recaps for the 2023-2024 season. And uh, kind of like we do with wrestling predictions and all that jazz, the here are the cumulative scores from our predictions during the season. Ethan was unable to record uh, ahead of week two, so those results are not in. But every other week, I went 161 and 98. Ethan, you went 157 to 102. So, yay for me. I won football predictions. Hooray. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the offseason because that's where we are right now. 
Um, kind of mentioned it at the top of the show, the Chicago Bears cleared up over $30 million in cap space after releasing former Pro Bowlers, uh, interior offensive lineman Cody Whitehair and safety Eddie Jackson. And in a bigger news, uh, all pro defensive, I mean, all pro edge rusher Hassan Reddick could be potentially on his way out of Philly after the team has allowed him and his agent the opportunity to seek a trade. He's in the final year of his contract. He's bound to command a whole bunch of money. He said publicly he doesn't want to be traded, but he understands that it is a business. And so in your eyes, which team should go after Hassan Reddick the heaviest? I I am going to say I'm gonna say the Raiders. I think they need to get an actual legitimate like running mate with Max Crosby. That's real. I'm gonna say the Detroit Lions. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is great, but. Outside of um, Aline McNeil, their defensive tackle, he's not getting much help in terms of pass rush. And so this year's pass rush class in the draft is all right, but there's nobody in that draft. Like, for example, they're picking, what, 29th? I would gladly trade that 29th overall pick for Hassan Reddick as opposed to drafting one of these guys. And no disrespect to them, I'm sure there are going to be stars that come out of it. But at this point, if you're a team like the Detroit Lions who are just so close to the Super Bowl and you know you have deficiencies on defense, why not swing big and try to get guys who can help elevate that group? I mean, Hassan Reddick over these past couple years has really proven himself to be a stud. And, I mean – like I said, proven pass rusher, pair him with Aiden Hutchinson. Now you have two guys that offenses really have to key in on, and that can help out your secondary a lot because now they're not spending all game in coverage because you're actually able to get some consistent pass rush. So personally, I would go Lions on that one. All right, uh, last thing before we move on to the NBA discussion, let's play a quick game of believable or buffoonery, starting with Bill Belichick. So this coaching cycle has come and gone, and Bill Belichick is still without a head coaching job. However, that doesn't mean he will never get one again. According to Tom Pelissero with NFL Network, the expectation around the league is Bill Belichick will be on the sidelines coaching again in 2025. Multiple owners have already reached out to Belichick about next year's hiring cycle. And so is it believable or buffoonery that Bill Belichick will be a head coach again in 2025? And if it's believable, who do you think he will be coaching? I think it's believable. uh, And I think he'll be coaching the Dallas Cowboys. You think him and Jerry Jones could coexist? It's it's a crazy thing about about business. If like the personalities, I don't think, but if they can win games, I think they can coexist. Yeah, winning cures all. Um, I'm gonna say buffoonery. I think that don't get me wrong, Bill Belichick is the greatest, all that, blah blah blah. But I don't know. Like, I just I have a hard time believing that. I think I've had a lot of conversations about this, like with former coworkers and stuff. But like, Bill Belichick is a guy who had all control in New England for the uh, over a decade. He was the coach. He was in charge of personnel. He ran the draft. He did everything. And so I just have a hard time believing that Bill Belichick is going to be like, you know what? Yeah, I'll take a back seat. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to do everything. This is fine. And just stick to coaching. And you just had all this control. I just have a hard time thinking he'll be able to go with that and then like not have his word be the gospel. And if you, on the flip side of that, if you're an organization, you know who Bill Belichick is. You know the respect that he commands. But do you want to literally put the keys of your franchise in his hands? Especially like unless you have a team that's like ready made to compete right now do you trust bill belichick to be one of those guys who can like build that team up because he had an opportunity to do it with the patriots and it just it didn't happen yeah that's so that's why i say the dallas cowboys because like when you're in a situation 
when you're dealing with somebody that has a strong personality, you need another strong personality to cal- to counterbalance that. Yeah. Like, I like Jerry Jones as much as he says wild stuff and he's done wild things and it's like, and I'm not that big of a fan of him. He has the level of personality to check Bill Belichick. And yes, Belichick, they can still he can check him and still garner that respect from Bill Belichick. That's why I like in my mind, the only team that can make sense for Bill to go to is the Cowboys because all the other teams like they could potentially have openings. They don't have the owner and like the front office that can garner the respect of Bill Belichick. He can walk in and be like, Hey look, I did stuff that y'all ain't even came close to ever doing. He goes to the Cowboys. Yes, he still has more rings than them, but it's like, hey, we got our rings too. And like, I think that's the, that's why I say the Cowboys, because Jerry Jones has enough personality to tell Bill Belichick, no, I just want you to coach. I don't want you to do everything, and you have no choice but to coach. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I mean, personally, I would like to see it, because I I think it'd be fun just on the outside looking in, kind of seeing that power struggle. Um, and alternatively, let's be honest, Mike Mike McCarthy is not going to be there after next season. No. I'm still shocked that he's there this season. Um, yeah, Mike McCarthy's like gone. If they have enough, God forbid they get bounced in the wild card round again. It's over. Like, yeah. he, <laughs> there's no conversations needed. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was just saying it's over. I understand. The only thing that I can think of is the reason why Mike McCarthy is back is because they didn't want to pay him and pay another coach. Yeah, because that buyout would have been big. And it's still, but yeah, Mike McCarthy is going to be gone. All right, one more thing before we move on to the NBA. So obviously with the season being over, everyone is turning their attention to next season. Um, and it has everyone thinking, if not the Chiefs winning another Lombardi, who will it be? And so uh, ESPN's uh, Michael Greenberg uh, made a list of the top five quarterbacks he believes will win their first Super Bowl next. And the top answer may surprise you. And number one, he had Jordan Love for the Green Bay Packers. Two, Brock Purdy. Three, Joe Burrow. Four, Lamar Jackson. Five, Justin Herbert. So, is it believable or buffoonery that Jordan Love is the likeliest quarterback to win their first Super Bowl next? It's buffoonery in my eyes, but, you know, you might disagree. No, it's buffoonery because my first thought, would, my, I would say, like, if I were to make a list, I would say Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. Um, i throw Brock Purdy up there. I'm going to throw Josh Allen in there. Um, Dang, I didn't uh, even realize Josh Allen wasn't even in his top five. Uh, I would, I'm going to throw Josh Allen, Brock Purdy, and I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts. I think that this year for the Packers was obviously much better than anybody anticipated. Like, nobody expected the Packers to be this good. And that's just a testament to, obviously, Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love and his development. 100% hands down. I am not in the bandwagon of thinking that the Packers are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. I don't understand why people are in that boat. Like, I think the Packers have a chance to be good. But I don't think they have what it takes to, like, get over the hump. Because let's pause the movie and rewind. Jordan Love is very good, but that defense has some problems. That offensive line had some problems. And they're going to have a transition with this offense and obviously defense. They got to figure out some contracts. They got to figure out who they're going to bring in. So first and foremost, let's talk about the division. (laughs) Let's not just say the Packers all of a sudden, oh, yeah, they're going to win a Super Bowl because on the back of Jordan Love. Let's get a team around him so we can actually maybe have that conversation. Let's talk about winning that division first. Even though you don't have to win the division, win the Super Bowl, but still, like, I think there are steps to it, and I don't think the Packers are as close as people are trying to make them out to be, to be like, yeah, they're like one piece away from being in the Super Bowl, or at least not more than, like, Joe Burrow and the Bengals or, 
Lamar Jackson and the Ravens or even Josh Allen and the Bills. Like, I think their team collectively is so much closer than the Packers. But I would yeah. agree with you. My number one, my list would probably go uh, Joe, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and um, Jalen Hurts. Only reason I got just I got Justin Herbert on the outside looking in mm-hmm. because I got to see what Jim Harbaugh is gonna do constructing the rest of his roster. That's fair. I and it's crazy because like the Chargers are one of those teams they obviously have talent like offensively. Like I think that this will be a situation where they'll figure it out at running back because unfortunately you find a decent enough running back you can make it work. I think they'll figure it out at running back. Obviously, defense is going to be big. But, I mean, they have talent. That's the – like, they, it's not like he's going in with, like, a the the cupboard is bare. There's obviously talent on that side of the ball for Los Angeles. We just couldn't tell because they've been playing so badly. But don't get me wrong. I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl next year or even the year after that necessarily. But I think that they have – I'll say this. I like what they have in terms of stepping stones and, like, in terms of progression – to where I think they have a chance to continue to get better and to build and get closer there as opposed to a Jordan Love or even, like, Tua with the Dolphins. Yeah. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. Uh, Starting with our Mamba Players of the Week. Out of the Eastern Conference, I'm going Jason Tatum. Uh, Eastern Conference, I'm going... Bro, it's so hard because I haven't been watching basketball. Yeah. I'm going to just copy with Jason Tatum. All right. Uh, the Western, my Western Mamba of the week is the guy who gives me headaches more than almost anybody else, and that's Anthony Davis because he's been a defensive monster and putting up buckets these past few games. Western, I am going to go. Bro, this is really hard because I have not watched. I don't even know who's been dominating. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to just go with our reliable Jokic. <laughs> I feel that. Uh, my rookie mama of the week, I'm going to show love to G.G. Jackson. Just dropped 27 last night. Help uh, power the Grizzlies over a big upset over the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and yeah, I mean, recency bias. And plus, come on, the Grizzlies, they need all the wins they can get. And this was a fun one. Yeah, I'm gonna go GG as well. We don't need all the wins we can get, so we can get that high drive pick. But who do you even want in the draft? I don't want anybody. I want us to get a high drive pick. So you can trade it. Trade, yeah. That's smart. Get you a center. That's real. Uh, but all right, let's talk top three takeaways of the week. Um, for me at number three, I'm gonna say mounted injuries and absences may cost the Heat a deep playoff run. Um, I don't, I could be wrong, but I know that uh, Jimmy Butler's been away with the team due to a death in the family, thoughts and prayers to him. And then also, uh, what, we're going to get to a little in a bit, but I mean, Josh Richardson is hurt. Terry Rozier, who they just traded for, is also injured. They're both expected to be out for at least a couple of weeks. And I mean, obviously the Heat are one of those teams that's like, they're fine in the regular season, but they really start to blow up and go off in the postseason. But I think that, with everything that's been going on and just not honestly not having key guys on the court together and doing so consistently, I think that once they get to the playoffs, that might really hurt them and we won't see one of those improbable uh, Heat playoff runs like we've seen the past few years. Yeah. Um, for me, number three, I'm going to be honest. I wish we would have gotten the pairing of LeBron and Steph and Golden State. Um I don't think it would have, like, severely moved a needle and, like, it would have resulted in a championship. But at this point, y'all are the two old vets that are still good. Why not team up just to make – just to be exciting for the NBA? Yeah. Oh, but Lord knows they would get clowned so hard when they wouldn't win a ring. Um, uh, My number two is Isaiah Stewart has cemented himself as the league's biggest menace. I know Draymond Green is still around. Don't get me wrong. Draymond Draymond Green is an incredibly close second. But the fact that you punching somebody in the face before the game even starts, 
I, I gotta see the footage. I don't know when we'll see it. I'm sure somebody's gonna leak it one day. But Isaiah Stewart is a menace. Like, Draymond is annoying. And he'll, like, he'll just pick on anybody. Oh, I said, is he, let me phrase that. He knows who to pick on. And he knows when to mess with. Like, the guys he can get away with stuff with and the guys he can't. Isaiah Stewart doesn't care. Like, this man, I knew when he went after LeBron a couple years ago, he, he didn't care about nothing. And so this week is only a testament to that because he also got arrested for assault. So there's that. But, like, not even just that. Like... And I'll just make this, I'll just pick it back and make this my number two as well. Like, it was a video earlier this year when they were playing Charlotte where he was trying to fight Brandon Miller. Like, he tapped his knuckles and pointed to the uh to the back, like you trying you wanna you wanna go. And like also, well fairless to miss him is the biggest menace. Draymond Green didn't want to smoke with him. He knew better. It's a video where they got locked up. Draymond was about to do all the antics he normally do, and then he realized who it was, and he was like, ah, my bad, bro. Right, you got it. My bad. You, you good? So, yeah, Isaiah Stewart, a different breed. He might not make it in it. He might not play in the NBA ever again after this after this season. Who knows? But he a different breed. Yeah. He, he not somebody. He not fake hard. Let's say that. Nah, <laughs> he not, just, he not nah. doing this for sure. Um, and then number one, it kind of goes back to, you know, the Grizzlies and Bucks game. But I know we don't know what's happened behind the scenes. I know we weren't, like, at the practices and stuff like that. But I think the Bucks were better off sticking with Adrian Griffin. Like, three and seven in the last ten games, just lost back-to-back games against teams they should have beaten. And, I mean, it sucks because I love me some Giannis. I'm a big Dame fan. And it's frustrating because it's like, this is a team that I want to see do well. And they were honestly doing so much better when Adrian Griffin was at the helm. Obviously, again, we don't know what all went on with him, but it doesn't seem like Doc Rivers is exactly the guy to right the ship. Man, Doc Rivers just collecting a check. I know, what a life. What a life. Sign me up. But yeah, that's my number one. My number one uh, <clears throat> is now that football is over, can the NBA be entertaining enough to hold people over? Like, for me, this is the first year where I guess a big part of that is because the Grizzlies are an injury-riddled mess and, like, I would rather go to a game live than watch it on TV now. But, like, with that, the, with that being the case, can the NBA be entertaining enough to sustain people in viewership? I think this is going to be one of the moments where you see, like, I know the NBA has come a long way, but compared to the NFL, it's still, it's still levels to this. Because everybody, like, that I've talked to have said, like, bro, I'm not really, I haven't really been watching basketball, and I really don't plan on watching. Yeah, like, I'm trying to get more into it because the season is, the NFL season is over, but, I mean, it's always like that for me. Like, once, once, as long as the football season is going on, basketball is, honestly, it's a distant third because it's football, it's wrestling, and then it's basketball. At least with if wrestling, like Monday Night Football or like Monday Nights, I will at the same time be watching football and wrestling. There has never been a point that I'm like, damn, I got to watch this NBA game and I might miss some football because of it, but it's all good. And so this is the perfect time if you are the NBA, like, all right, let's try to get everybody back in. Let's, yeah, people aren't watching football no more because right now, but like you said, like a lot, this season just feels... I don't want to say boring, but it's like it it doesn't have that same spark that it's had in the past. And I don't know exactly what it is. Like maybe just because there is it feels like there's a lot of parody right now, which is a good thing. But it's like a big part of what makes the NBA great is the stars are stars. And this year, like how many like this undisputed top guys in the NBA have been doing that? Like there's Nikola Jokic who, yeah, 
You got the Bucks who haven't looked that great lately. Um, yo, Joel Embiid is hurt. Jaws not playing. Anthony Edwards is balling, so great for them. Same could be said for Shea and the Thunder. But it feels like the teams that aren't getting as much TV time and, like, aren't – they're not the ones who are getting as much, like, pop. And we're just seeing the old reliable teams, the Lakers, the Warriors, the teams like that who aren't really doing anything on TV or at least nationally broadcasting games. And so it kind of takes away the desire to watch it because you know it's not going to be all that great. But who knows? Hopefully it'll get better at the All-Star break. We shall see. Um, but all right, let's go ahead and talk some roster moves. Starting off with center Hassan Reddick after uh, 12 NBA seasons has decided to retire from the NBA. Um, he last played in the league um, during the 2021-2022 season with the Utah Jazz. and But he is hanging it up at the age of 34. Um, Thaddeus Young, who is not that but been playing in the league forever. He has signed a contract with the Phoenix Suns. He will be playing for them for the rest of the season unless he ends up getting cut, which, you know, happens quite a bit. Uh, moving on, the Milwaukee Bucks are adding a few more reinforcements. They signed forward Danilo Gallinari um, after being bought out by the Pistons. And uh, Kyle Lowry, after being bought out from the Hornets after a trade from Miami, is heading back home. He's signing with the Philadelphia 76ers. And Spencer Dinwiddie has elected to sign with the Los Angeles Lakers over the Dallas Mavericks. Um, he was asked about that decision and why L.A. over Dallas. And he said this, um, let's say you're a kid and you get your ass whooped by the bully. Dallas would be like, would have been like your mama, like, it's okay, baby. Your Lakers are like your dad. Nah, you better go out there and fight till you win. Interesting analogy, but I get where he's coming from. Do you think Spencer Dinwiddie made the right choice? picking L.A. over Dallas? Mm, I think it's a tie. I mean, I don't think either. I think the Mavs, you might have a possibility of going farther in the playoffs than the Lakers. Like, the Lakers might not even make the playoffs this year. Assuming yeah. the Mavs are healthy. What's up? But I think from the standpoint of, like, the way that Spencer Dinwiddie likes to play, like he likes to be a guy with the ball in his hands. I think he made that's the better move because, like, you have an aging LeBron who doesn't want to have the ball in his hands as much. Like, yes, you still have Anthony Davis, but you can still have the ball in your hands and set him up. When you play with Luka, it's like, hey, look, bro, I stand in this corner. I'm gonna run a pick and roll. If they come, if they crash down, I'm going to kick it to you. If they don't, I'm going to go do a float or throw a lob. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I mean, especially for his style of play. And, again, as a Lakers fan, we need depth. We need as much depth as we can get. And D'Lo has proven to be quite untrustworthy. And so if you need to take the ball out of his hands, I'm not saying Spencer Dewey is going to come in and change the starting lineup or really, like, you know, make magic happen. But at the very least, he's a nice other option if you do want to try something different at point. And, I mean, he can score buckets when he's invested. Because Loki, most of the season when he was with the Nets, he was not invested. So I'm hoping that being in a new environment will kind of, like, bring him back to life, so to speak. But we shall see. I, I agree with you, though. I think that in terms of, like, overall team success, I think Dallas would have been a better fit. But I can understand why he decided to join L.A. All right, let's talk some injury news, uh, starting with the New Orleans Pelicans. Forward Dyson Daniels uh, just had surgery on his left knee following a meniscus tear. He's going to be out for at least the next three to four weeks. Um, in the Miami Heat, lost a pair of guards, Josh Richardson, who I kind of mentioned at the top. Uh, he dislocated his right shoulder, and he and guard Terry Rozier is considered week-to-week -week after spraining his right knee. So not exactly copacetic in South Beach. And let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery before we make some all-star predictions. So, Paul George um, is still in talks with the Los Angeles Clippers on a contract extension. However, there's a, they haven't exactly moved the needle, thus creating an opportunity for him to go somewhere else. Reportedly, the Philadelphia 76ers are expected to pursue Paul George if he does not re-sign with the Clippers. Believable or buffoonery, Paul George would be a good fit for the 76ers. I'm going to say believable. I, 
being honest, Paul George is the type of player he'll be good for any team. That's true. As long as he's healthy, I mean, he he is. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, now let's say for sake of conversation though, because I think he has like another year on his deal. Mm-hmm. I think he would have to be traded. And so, if Paul George were to be traded, would you give up Tyrese Maxey in order to get Paul George? I wouldn't. No, because PG's older, I think. And, like, the Clippers also have their guards. So they would need, a, in my opinion, they would need another forward. I think it would potentially be a situation where it's like maybe Tobias Harris, some picks, something. But I don't think I wouldn't give up Tyrese Maxey. I wouldn't either. The reason I mentioned Tyrese Maxey is, though, because he's the biggest trade asset in this for the 76ers because you're not trading Joel Embiid, obviously. But, yeah, they would it would have to be a trade because uh, PG has a player option worth 48 mil next year, and I he's going to accept that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it would be a good fit. It's just a matter of how do you actually make that happen. All right, moving on to the Golden State Warriors. Klay Thompson, for the first time since 2012, his rookie year, came off the bench last night, and while he played well, he understands that he is going to have to change his play in order to sustain his career. Uh, recently, when talking about his role with the team, he said, there's nothing wrong with that, speaking of a reduced role. I'll be 35 next year, coming off of the ACL and Achilles tear and still have the ability to be a really good player. I've modeled my game after Reggie Miller and Ray Allen, and those guys were incredibly effective until their late 30s. So I plan on kind of following that mold. So, believable or buffoonery, Klay Thompson is best suited to transition into a Ray Allen-like role for the Warriors. I think it's believable. Um, I think he he just doesn't have the athletic capabilities from a lateral mobility and like movement standpoint to be a guy that can like compete with top starting shooting guards slash small forwards in the NBA. But he's still good enough to go off against your twos. Right. I mean, he last night. So, and I think if he can really like transition into that role, um, I think and like own it and not be um, salty about it. Like I think that could be something that could potentially, if the Warriors are able to make other moves, could potentially keep them in like a playoff um, contending atmosphere. Like not this season, but like going into next season, a couple seasons after. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because, I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, he should be coming off the bench. But like you said, like, who's going to take his spot in the lineup? Who's going to step up and be that guy? And as I'm not going to lie to you. At this point, I don't think that they have that. Um, I don't think that they have that person on the ro- their roster right now. So they'd have to get creative and try to find, try to find someone to bring in in order to kind of, you know, close the gap a bit. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it would be a good fit. All right, last thing. Uh, We talked about this a little bit ago, but uh, this week Shaquille O'Neal had his jersey retired by the Orlando Magic, making him the first player in that franchise history to have that honor bestowed upon him. So congrats to Shaq. He's now had his jersey retired by the Magic, the Heat. I mean, not the Heat, I'm sorry. The Magic, the Lakers, and the... Did Suns retire his jersey? It's a third team who retired his jersey. Whatever. I remember when I don't care. But looking at the Orlando Magic, they've had some very talented players in their midst, such as a Penny Hardaway, Tracy McGrady, and obviously Dwight Howard. If you had to pick who would be the next Orlando Magic legend to get their jersey retired? I would say either Penny or Dwight. I... I'd probably go Dwight. Like, Penny is great, but Dwight was undoubtedly the best player on that team. Like, the face of the franchise for a few years got them to the finals and really, like, for the first time since, like, those Tracy days, like, gave Orlando fans. First off, gave Magic fans because, I mean, realistically, how many people do you meet that are actually Orlando Magic fans? Like, Dwight Howard made them, like, must-see TV and so for that, I think he should get it. But all right, 
let's get out of here. Um, I know neither of us said we're really going to be all that into All-Star Weekend, but what do you want to see post-All-Star Weekend once All-Star break is over? What are some things that you want to see or any just bold predictions you got? Post-All-Star break, what are some things I want to see? Um, I want to see Anthony Edwards catch more bodies. Um, I want to see... Now that Joel Embiid is down and might not be back for the remainder of the season, I actually want to see Shea win MVP. Um... And I want to see, I want to see the the Bucks right this year. I th- I think they'll write it enough to get into the playoffs, but we've already had conversations many a time about Doc Rivers, so we'll see how he's able to lead this team. Um, I want to see Desmond Bain come back. Because you and I both kind of talked about it. Like, when Ja went down, like, we were both really, really excited to see Desmond Bain kind of step up and be that guy. And, like, shout-out to Jaron Jackson Jr. for, like, kind of holding it down. Like, props to him for staying healthy in this turbulent, crazy season. But I'm excited to see what – I'm ready to see Desmond Bain come back. I want to see what it looks like post-injury and just how he kind of takes command of this team. Um, I want to see what happens with the Lakers. Like, obviously – Lately, they've been playing relatively well. I think, what, six and seven? Uh, six and six wins in the last seven games, something like that. Like, they've been playing pretty solid as of late. But I still think we made a mistake not going after anybody in the trade deadline. I understand there's only so much that you can do. And so I just want to see what they're able to do. Like, you elected to stick with this team. You elected to keep these guys. How far do you go with this team? And do you end up regretting that decision because of it? And, um... Last thing I want to see, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll throw Jimmy Butler in the heat of bone. I want to see them all fully healthy. It doesn't feel like there's really been any point of the season that everybody has been healthy. Either Jimmy Butler's out. We just talked about Rozier and Richardson. Jamie Jaquez has been missed some time. Bam Adebayo, Tyler Harrow. I want, and I don't know if we're going to get it, but I would love to see at one point just a time when everybody in Miami is healthy, hopefully in the playoffs or close to it, so we can see just how good this team actually is. Because we already know how good of a coach Eric Spolster is. I want to see how far this team can go in its current iteration where they don't have excuses like, oh, well, if such and such would have played, we would have did this or we would have did that. I don't want there to be any excuses. I want to see how good this team looks when healthy. But all right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for school sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Free episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Go, Grizz. Happy birthday, Jerome Dennis. And uh, yeah, I'm probably not going to be watching basketball this year. That's right. <laughs> um,. I'll just say, damn, football season's over, so this is weird. Um, Lakers, let's just let's just keep our head above water. You know my expectations for y'all are low. Um, go Grizz. Obviously, I hope the Grizzlies get it together. Can't wait to see everybody healthy. And um, damn, my wrestling fans, we got to get up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning next Saturday for Elimination Chamber. Or you can do what I'm probably going to do and just wait till I wake up and watch it and just turn off um, – notifications because I don't want nothing spoiled for me because there I'm that's really early for a pay-per-view yeah I know yeah I know about waking up there to watch it everybody gonna probably wake up around like nine and probably start it at like 12 and just watch it like that the only way that I would be able to do that is I have to, or the only way I would realistically be able to do this is if I'm already up. Yeah. I, I don't want to wake up at five o'clock in the morning for nothing and nobody. And so for wrestling, hell no. Especially because I know I can just watch it later and like skip through parts I don't care about. Yeah. But it, I'm sorry, go yeah. ahead. I was going to say for me, it's come, it's five in the morning on a Saturday. That's the night where. Friday and Saturday nights are the nights where I get to, like, I don't have to wake up to feed EJ. So I'm cherishing it. I'm not about to wake up if I had to watch wrestling. 
Right. Me either. And I do love me some wrestling. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun, but enough fun for me to get up early. Nah, I'm good. Um, But anything, uh, any bold predictions? I say, do you think we see The Rock at Elimination Chamber? Because Loki, I think we will. I think we might. Because, like, what what are the matches at Elimination Chamber? I got you. So, as of this very moment, it's going to be a men's elimination chamber to determine who's going to face Seth at um, WrestleMania. And in it right now are Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, LA Knight. I don't remember the two other matches that are going to take place this Friday. Well, today. Sorry. And um, then it's a women's uh, elimination chamber to figure out who's going to face Rhea Ripley. Is Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, Liv Morgan, and a few more matches to be determined tonight. Um, Nia Jax versus Rhea Ripley and then undisputed tag team championship match between uh, Judgment Day and British Strong Style aka Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate next Monday they're supposed to be doing Gunther versus Jay Uso which will be interesting but I low-key think they're going to end up pushing it to Elimination Chamber they should uh, I don't think they're going to have a rock there because the only way I could see The Rock there is if it was something where, like, Roman or Cody were involved. Yeah, I feel that. I think I'm, – I'm with you on that. I think that best-case scenario, if Rock does go, it'll just be, like, to make it a bit feel bigger. Because, yeah. I mean, I know everybody's like – also, I, I can't believe I haven't said this before. Like, this whole Rock situation has shown just how fickle and wishy-washy wrestling fans are. Because just in January, when he was on Raw talking about taking on the Tribal Chief, everybody and their mama was like, yes, we get finally get to see Roman versus Rock. And now? You think this man slapped your mama in the face with how much people hate him? It's crazy. There's wrestling for you. Yes, the most fickle fans in the world. Props to wrestlers. Because low-key, The Rock is better than me. Because if you don't like me, Whatever. I don't care. You got an issue with me. That's on you. But the fact you were bringing my daughter into this and, like, sending her death threats. Oh, uh, yeah. You, you send my daughter death threats on my child. is over with. Yeah. Like, Ain't nothing to, uh, no talking is necessary. We got like, a problem. Like, any anybody anybody that knows me personally knows. Like, you can say whatever you want to me. You say something to my wife or my child, Benito. Ain't no talking necessary. And obviously, like, it's social media. And so, you know, people feel like they can say whatever they want to. But, like, The Rock has more control than I do because it will go beyond wrestling. Like, I'm, I'm hunting y'all down. Um, but that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content uh, written by yours, truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The Export. Again, thank y'all for listening. We'll catch y'all next week.